This Quietcast podcast is brought to you by Ideas Digest. I'm Conrad. And I'm Matt. Each week, two optimistic Aussie blokes explore new (laughs) and challenging ideas outside of our echo chamber on our totally realistic quest to achieve world peace, maybe some personal enlightenment. Is that too much of an oversell? No, just roll the montage. Okay. I'm right and you're wrong. What are you talking about? Straight men enjoy gay sex. What? The Bible is extremely pro-abortion. You're a sexist man who loves Jordan Peterson. This is progressive? No, this is arson. Do you think that kick us out? I've done psychedelics 150 times in my life. Why the hell should I trust you now? Don't define me by what I do in bed. Oh my God. These ideas can be like membership key to a particular social group. So break free from your echo chamber each week on Ideas Digest, anywhere you get your podcasts. It's going to be an amazing time. Amazing. Give us. <laughs> Welcome to Apostates Anonymous, the show you turn to when you're no longer an evangelical. With your hosts, hosts authors, Keith Giles, and Matthew J. DiStefano. Hey, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Apostates Anonymous with your hosts... Myself, Matthew J. Stefano, author of The Wisdom of Hobbits, and Keith Giles. Say hi to the lovely listeners. Hey there. Yes, I am Keith Giles, the author of the seven-part Jesus Sun series and Sola Mysterium, and hopefully very soon, Sola Deus. Sola Deus, Sola Deus, Sola Deus. I should record a little song. Is that a song? <laughs> Amadeus. You never heard Amadeus? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Come on. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I started on that, so... Hopefully, Lord willing, that book yes. will be out soon. Yes, we are all going to pray Pray that God will guide you and lead how you. About, as... How about this? I just give you my thoughts and prayers, and if the book shows up, it shows up. <laughs> yeah, let's just see how that goes. It's got to mm-hmm. be good for something, right? I mean, it doesn't stop bullets or anything, but you never if know. I just give it thoughts and prayers, out will pop a book. Oh, we actually have to do something to make it. Yeah, I think you might have to do something to, yes, Mm. be the answer to your own prayer. That might be a good uh, analogy. Someone's probably said that once upon a time. A few times, yes, probably. Hey, what's new, man? So what's new, listeners? What's new with you? Keith, I know you have uh, have a big event coming up, and maybe you can talk about it for two seconds. Well, we have a big event. It's not me. It's choir. This is a choir thing. Um, but, but you're you, you're leading the charge and yeah. you're the one putting it all together because yeah. I don't get out in front of people and talk. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, yeah. So there's this event in Nashville. It's called Awaken Nashville. It's actually our second one. We did it last year and it was amazing. And so we decided to do it again. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Pardon me. Woo. <clears throat> Getting all choked up here. Um, yeah. So Awaken <clears throat> Nashville, June 9th and 10th. Um, it's going to be hosted at Sparrow Day Church, which is a super cool progressive deconstructing church like just go check out their website it's s p e r o d e i sparrow day um but oh my gosh yeah they're amazing uh the the uh, minister there david moses paris uh he is actually going to be speaking as well at the event but listen to this listen to this lineup guys i mean yes i'm going to be there i know that's huge you just can't wait to see headlining headlining, headlining keynote speaker but no, no, just seriously, um, check out these people that are going to be uh, presenting and speaking uh, in person there at Awaken uh, Nashville. It's Dr. Jennifer Bird. She's my new my new hero, my new theological scholar hero. She's amazing. Which, uh, she'll which, be talking about- uh, let, me, let me pause you right there. She has a podcast called Wild yes. Olive, which is yes. now a Choircast podcast. Yes. So she's check in out the family. Wild Olive. Yeah. Yes, she's in the family now. Um, Joe, Jennifer Bird, she's freaking amazing. Uh, December Rose, everyone, you know, December, come on. She's amazing. She's on Heretic Happy Hour. She's our blackest friend. She is my blackest friend. She spoke at the previous, uh, she's the only, besides me, she's the only one returning from last year. So December Rose will be there. Um, Heather Hamilton, oh my gosh, she's a rock star. Uh, Karen Schock, whose book came out um, just a a couple days ago, and it's killing, and she's amazing, and she'll be there in person as well. Lacey Bean, Instagram, TikTok influencer. And by the way, like 
what is she like a trauma, a licensed trauma therapist or something like that? She's she'll be there. No, she's she's a life coach, not a therapist. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she'll be there. Um, uh, speaking of Instagram, TikTok influencers, Eve was framed. My favorite atheist um, on Instagram because she's not she's not a jerk. She but she but she points out things that actually things we point out that are like inconsistent with Christian theology and all that stuff. She's awesome. And she'll, she'll be there. Um, we have uh, Dan Henderson, another choir author. So he'll be there. He's the author of Recover- Confessions of a Recovering Evangelical. Nat Turney, another choir podcast dude from This Is Not Church. Nat Turney will be there. And he's will also, also have a choir book coming out. Yes, yes, if he, exactly. You know, sometime, sometime soon. Yeah. And if all of that wasn't enough, and it should be, that that because that's that's pretty amazing. But with all oh, those wait. amazing, there's no wait, more. there's more, there's more because uh, at the end of our conference, our special musical guest is Jennifer Knapp, who is awesome. She is so amazing. I've I've had several conversations with her. She's like a best friend. I mean, she she and I click so well. I love her. She is like a multiple Grammy award nominated musician. She'll be performing um, at the end of the show as well. At the end of the conference as well. So come on. You got to go. And listen, the early bird rates are still good. So we're talking, um, you know, really good price. There, I should also say there's a limited number of seats. So I think we're down to like there's 125 something seats left. So if you want to come, if you want to see us, meet us there, I'd love to meet you there uh, at this event. It's going to be great. And I should say like sort of people will say, well, what's the theme? Well, it, it's it's kind of just a safe space for people that are deconstructing their faith. Or, and want to move into reconstruction, wherever you're at in that process. If you've just started deconstructing, if you've been doing it a long time, if you're ready to like just hear different views and voices. Because listen, out of those people I named, we have people that are all the way from, you know, probably like kind of still consider themselves Christian, maybe progressive Christians, all the way to the other end of the spectrum. We have people that are post-Christian, like Heather Hamilton and Eve was framed, who's a full-on atheist. So you have a lot Heather, of people. Heather's, Heather's not post-Christian. Okay. Well, sorry then. Sorry, Heather. <laughs> I didn't want to label Mar- you. Maria Maria French is. That's right. She is. Um, but anyway, it's a nice spectrum, right? So from Yeah, yeah. You no, know, I get the point. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's it's great. It's gonna be a great event. Last year was so much fun. We had to do it again. And I would love to see you guys out there. Go check it out. Uh you can find the link. If you just go to Eventbrite and search Awaken Nashville, you'll find it. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm going to link links. in the show notes too. Drop, yeah, drop so if you're links. not even, I would say if you're in the Nashville area, check it out. But even if you're outside of Nashville, like it's a, it's worth a drive. Get a hotel, right? It's two days. It's a two day event. It's Friday, Friday event. evening, so get a hotel, and all day Saturday. Make yeah. a make a trip of it. Um, yeah, it sounds worth it. I'm in Cali, so I'm not going to make it. But <laughs> yeah, we had people last year that came from South Carolina, Denver, Ohio. Um, yeah, people came, I was really blown away. I was surprised how many people came from far and wide. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. So yeah, I'd love to see you there. Yeah. So make sure you click that link in the show notes and, um, go check that out. Yeah. That'll be yeah. fun. How about you, man? What's yeah. going on with you? Uh, well, what's going on with me? I, oh yeah, I've got, uh, well, by the time this comes out, I will have had a little online Hobbit conference, uh, put yeah. on by Tom Ord. Um, so only hobbits have, are allowed to come to this. It's yes, it's a little we're very people. discriminatory, just like some of the hobbits. <laughs> Stay out of our borders, motherfucker. Um, no, so that's that's exciting. I've got uh, the Tolkien Society has a review that's coming out of the Wisdom of Hobbits soon, and they gave me a preview of it, and it's positive, so I'm stoked. Oh, well, that's good. Um, <laughs> it's 4:20 today, man. That's right. Hey, we're recording man. this on 4:20. Yeah. What's so, significant and, about that? And it, it landed on a Thursday, and Thursdays are my just days to chill at home and do choir stuff. So sweet. It's a little and bit you, of a and wake, you have a book it's release. It's a little bit of a wake wake and bake. Yeah, yeah, and a book release on the same day. On so um yeah, the bonfire sessions, the second paperback with a forward by some guy with a podcast. Drum roll, please. Yes, Keith Giles. Yes. I had so much fun writing that forward, everybody. I want you all. I want you to it's, buy the buy the book just to read my forward because it was it's dare I say it it's great it's genius it's worth it's worth it it's worth it's buying the book just to read my forward it's something um, 
<laughs> I'll link in the show notes. Book, so, so book please, is great. please go buy it. And but I'm gonna, it's gonna actually relate to our quote unquote sponsor today. Oh, good. So, cool. so I don't want to say anything more. I, th- I think I just, I just want to play this for y'all. Okay, I haven't heard this. Hey, everybody! A little something different today. This is uh, Matt, one of your hosts. Took the opportunity to record this without Keith knowing. I didn't really know how to call him out on this. Oh boy! And I'm recording this at the at the uh, at the onset of another bonfire sessions being released. And we had Keith write a forward that I thought would be, you know, uplifting and, and nice. But he writes, "So here we are once again, another collection of conversations that meander and wander from one topic to another and back again." Like a drunken toddler who chugged a beer from the refrigerator in the garage and finds himself knocked out in the laundry room with the family dog. (laughs) It's kind of like that. And I just want to go on record to tell Keith that you can fuck off. (laughs) Uh, Your next book can be self-published. And I really don't give a fuck anymore. But to everyone else, to everyone listening to this, Please check out the bonfire sessions in the show notes. And if you don't, I guess you're on the side of Keith, the biggest asshole this world has ever known. Shots fired. Oh, that's so great. Thank you. Uh, it for took me, it took me, it took me, it took me a couple takes to read um, the drunken laughing. toddler part. <laughs> I got to say, when I was Tried writing so it, deadpan. I started off so you know, so Matt asked me to write the forward to this bumper session. She's like, yeah, that's cool, man. Thank you. That's great. So I sat down to write it. And the first couple of paragraphs are serious. I'm like trying to be really profound and serious. And then I just found myself uh kind of like I don't know. I just tried to start trying to make myself laugh. And it just kind of got it just kept going from there. And I just decided, you know what? I'm just gonna go with this. So yeah, I uh I had a lot of fun writing that, and uh, I think it's appropriate. I think uh, I think I people think it get it; too. they'll get yeah. it. it it'll, mm-hmm. It's fun. Yeah, it's the way fun. I mean, I, the way I look at it is like the bonfire sessions are, and I'm not comparing myself to Tolkien, but they're like for super fans, right? Yeah, they're like they're like if when I read the the letters of J.R.R. Tolkien, most people aren't reading those. I never, I would never read those. They're and they're for the deep dives, so it's yes. like for people who enjoy they, they understand the sense of humor. Derek's forward was um, not not like that, but it was lighthearted and poked fun at us. Yeah, okay. Good. In the way we in the way we poke fun at ourselves. Right. So it, it fits that whole uh, vibe. <clears throat> yeah, no, I totally, but I get it. I mean, you know, like we've said this before, like for you, it's Tolkien. For me, it's Philip K. Dick. Philip yeah. K. Dick, um, the last couple of years of his life went on this obsessive like journaling thing and mm-hmm. he ended up journaling like, hundreds of thousands of pages i think it's just ridiculously and you massive. probably read it all right <laughs> well no i've been no i you can't read it but they did publish oh. like a like an 800 page um sort of like the the best of like people uh-huh. went back after he died and went through it and kind of pulled the sort of the readable coherent parts of it together and made this it's called the exegesis yeah and it's like oh. a thousand page um massive book and yeah, yeah I, I got it and i love it it actually goes into our, what we're saying today, what we're going to talk about today in our in our topic. Um, but but yeah, no one's reading that unless you are a huge Philip K. Dick fan and you've read like all the novels and short stories and and you're looking for something else to read. Yeah, exactly. So that that's that the bonfire sessions are that for me. Like, yeah. I hope everyone reads Heretic because that's really like my theology, like my most solid theological book. And I hope people yeah. read The Wisdom of Hobbits because that's like. I, those books are contributions that are for a point. Like there's no point to these books. We're just writing, right? (laughs) Right. For the sake of writing. Our target audience is ourselves. So if you enjoy us, then, then pick up the book. If not, then there's, but I would, I would also say though, um, from the blood of Abel is a pretty good theological book. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I think it's a little heady, but that's cool. Well, but that's theological, right? That's that's getting into, yeah. That stuff. So yeah, but heretic is theological, but more accessible. Yeah, probably. I'd say so. Yeah, but I love mm-hmm. from the blood of Abel. That's a great book. Love that oh, book. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I feel like I've done a bunch of vanity projects, and 
you have you've done like just solid books <laughs> no but you but i kind of but i kind of jealous of you because like yeah you did that kind of like art coffee table book with the art you know the artwork and stuff yeah. in it um yeah. genesis of violence and then you did devoted as fuck which was just like hilarious yeah. And then um, don't, don't, be, a don't dick. be a dick. Yeah, yeah, these are fun. Total vanity projects. <laughs> those are totally fun. I'm looking forward to doing some of those down the road. Well, I'm kind of doing one. We're doing the Philip K. Dick collection thing. So like, that's fun for me. That's yeah. just really fun for me. And um, and Jesus Un will eventually be a um a, a big, a massive, brick, big, a huge, big ass yeah. book that no one will read except my mom. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening to our banter. That's the podcast, folks. No, we Thanks, do everybody. have- we, we do have a topic. Um, our topic is drum roll, please. Um, um, now we don't do drum rolls. Yeah. Um, what are we calling this? I don't know. What are we calling this? Like um, books that you would consider, like your own personal scripture, if that's the right personal word. Canon, like, maybe something. Yeah, like that. your personal yeah. canon on what's influenced you the most in life to yeah, this point. Yeah, that's good. Because if the canon's open, something's probably going to be written down the road that well, might course. be added to that you know of course but to yeah, this yeah. point yeah i don't know i guess i thought i i kind of came up with the that topic we were trying to figure out what's our topic going to be and i suggested this like i guess because partly because we just finished um well as as of this recording we finished a series uh heretic happy hours going through a series about what is the bible and so we've been thinking a lot and talking a lot about the all things considering the bible and then all I guess things you know, babble. all things babble. And I was thinking like, maybe, you know, you and I should talk about like, because I think you and I are on the same page on that, at least on this point that, that the Bible isn't like the Bible shouldn't be like the only kind of like quote unquote spiritual inspiring things you read. Um, and for me, it isn't. So it, it's, I've gotten to the place where I've, I've expanded my idea of writings that I consider spiritual or inspired or, uh, well, and I would, I would, I would go a step further and say it's not even primarily so for me. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, well, uh, maybe not like you because, like, I do still value Sermon on the Mount, and I still like Colossians and Ephesians, and I still like. Well, bits yeah, it, it's not to say it's bits. not. I'd say overall, my whole life it might be, but currently it's not. But the whole Bible thing, yeah, no. Yeah, Wendy and I, Wendy and I are reading through right now because uh, David Bentley Hart put out a new, an updated version, which he claims is be the final one uh, of the his New Testament translation. So we're reading through it again now, like this, like the fourth time, at least that we're reading through it um, every night before we go to bed. We read a chapter or two, and we're starting with Matthew, which I hate doing that because I I don't like Matthew. I really don't. Um, I'd rather start with Mark, but anyway, <clears throat> but reading through it, Bentley Hart's notes help a little bit, but I'm still just reading and going. Ah, even the gospels, there's still, there's this parts of them that are just like, I just don't really like this. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I mean, I understand that there's things going on in the background. Like, why did Matthew say it this way? Why did he frame it? this? Well, I know he mm -hmm. has biases and he's trying to, he's, he's not a fan of the Jewish people or whatever. So, okay, fine. Um, or the Pharisees, whatever. Right. So like, yeah, um, like I get it, but I'm still not enjoying it that much. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like heavily Jewish and he's doing like a pretty hard, internal critique right <clears throat> yes yeah 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 so anyway um i just thought it'd be fun i mean because you know, i think people are curious about this too you know like what what are the things that we would kind of say inspire us things that we read that that um spiritually are uplifting to us or helpful to us or things like that well i mean let's just do the i mean the obvious one we don't need to talk about it is the lord of the rings for me obviously yeah. like yeah. And, i mean and i would include all of tolkien's writings in there yeah. So, so what whole, is it about them that that you like, <clears throat> that you feel like kind of becomes for you almost like an, an expanded canon? I think, well, I'll just be really specific. Like, um, I actually like the fall narrative, the fall of man narrative in yeah. the Silmarillion better than the biblical one. Yeah. Um, I really do. I, the book of Genesis, especially chapters one through 11, I, I, I love, I love mythology, right? So I, I, I am fast. That's, I mean, the Genesis of violence that I wrote is yeah. on based. I mean, most of that book is Genesis one through 11. And then there's some chapters later, um, on the later chapters, but those are like some of my favorite, but I would say I like that the fall includes a dissonant melody of a musical piece in Tolkien. So I like that he made the he made the fall um, a musical motif, 
and that the the full redemption and second music would be the universal redemption of his creation that doesn't include that dissonant melody any longer. So melodically, you have this music that's beautiful, and then you have the dissonance, and then the God of the of of Middle Earth and and all of you know all of Arda uh, says you meant that for bad, but I'm going to con- basically mean it for good. So it's the crescendo and the second music is going to be even more beautiful because of that dissonant melody in between. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, that's, I love that. I think that's even better than maybe the biblical narrative. Yeah. That that's great. So, you know, you were, as you were saying that you reminded me of something I came across, I think about a year or so ago, I was, I was in a used bookstore here in El Paso, great bookstore, shout out, love those guys. Great bookstore. Um, and I was going through and I, I just ran across this book called American Indian Mythology. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested in that. So I, I, I crack it open. I just kind of start looking through it. And the very first chapter is the Cheyenne creation myth. So the Cheyenne Indian tribe have a creation uh-huh. myth. And it's about Maheo. And I'm reading it and I'm like, damn, this is better than the Genesis version <laughs> of the creation for several reasons. But the, the one that almost brought me to tears, it was so beautiful. So it goes through, Maheo is their god, and Maheo, it talks about how he in the, how he creates from the beginning. It's very similar stuff, you know, mud mm-hmm. and water and the birds are helping him, and sure. he hasn't even got to create people yet, right? So it so it kind of goes, mostly it's about him creating the earth, and how, and, and, and when he finishes creating the earth, he steps back, and he says, um, he looked at the earth, and he thought she was very beautiful, the most beautiful thing he had made so far. She should not be alone, Maheo thought. Let me give her something of myself so she will know that I am near her and I love her. And that's when God creates man. So the reason God creates man, and again, it has that phrase, you know, God saw it wasn't good for something to be alone, but it's not that man shouldn't be alone. It's that the earth, this beautiful, it even, he even says, it says, uh, he, he refers to the earth as a woman. So he's in love with the earth. And it's beautiful. It's the most stunning and beautiful thing he's ever created. And he says, I don't want this beautiful woman earth that I've created to be alone. And so that she will know how beautiful she is. And and so she will know that I am always near her and with her. That's why he creates man. So man's job in the creation, the purpose of man in the creation, according to the Cheyenne myth, is to be a representative of Maheo to the earth. To, to sing to her, to, to remind her constantly of how much God loves her. Dude, that is so Which, much better. Yeah, I mean, just ima- imagine that uh, posture yes. glo- globally by, you know, it's like, what would our relationship to the earth look like if right. that was our posture or something similar, right? No, that's right. Well, this is the reason why Native Americans have this beautiful connection to the earth. Is because that there, you know, you when from the point the moment you're a child, you're told that story, then that gets in your head that oh okay, well uh, my, I'm here not to dominate the earth, not to rape the earth, not to but, steal the resources of the earth because they're for me and I'm the greatest thing God has ever made. No, God says the greatest thing ever made is this freaking earth. It's just amazing and beautiful and incredible. And you're here to remind the earth how beautiful it is and how amazing it is. But how do how do Christians get the alternative from the Genesis account? Because that account is beautiful too. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that the Genesis account, especially the first chapter, is not beautiful. Like no, yeah, that's a subversion itself of We've how Babylon how Babylonians uh in that myth, the people are created I think it's because there's too much work and then they're slaves to the gods yeah. because the gods didn't want to have to do this. Like they didn't want to be the help. They had to get the help. (laughs) You know, you got to hire some people. And so the Hebrew people are like, no, it's, it's actually made in the image and likeness of gods to be stewards of this planet. How do we then take it? I mean, it kind of raises the question that we could take the, let's, let Western colonial white folks take the Cheyenne myth and they could somehow twist it and make it beautiful and man- or unbeautiful and mangled too. No, yeah, they t- you're right. You're right. Yeah. <clears throat> I think you and I, you, you and I have joked about this, like uh, the, the way that white Christian, you know, uh, Americans have twisted the, the Genesis narrative. 
to to go from tending and caring for the garden and then the earth um, and the planet to dominating it and even um, it may, it, 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 like Ann Coulter at one time didn't she even literally say something yeah. like raping the earth? She I quote and, it in from the Blood of Abel: "Take it, rape it; it's yours." Yes, that's and her. Then, that's her. Yeah. Air quotes, everyone. This is audio only podcast. That's her exegesis of Genesis one. Get the fuck out of here. What? Yeah. So, so like, but you were joking about how like you have a garden and you love going out in your backyard. Like, I'm gonna go <laughs> dominate my garden, right? No, you, no one thinks that way. If you I'm actually the shit out of that tomato plant. <laughs> no, it's it's a it's it it. it I, I like that you mentioned the gardening too, and that's another reason I love Tolkien. Um, his hero is a gardener. Um, like. I mean, goodness gracious, have you ever gone in a garden, Ann Coulter? <laughs> like, it's a dance for not not just the season. Like, it's years and years and years. Like, w- Mike and I were just talking about, we're on, like, since the campfire, we're now on our fourth year of rebuilding the garden. Oh, and yeah. it's now starting to get the soil and the pH and everything is starting to set in to where things are really good. Um, and it's it's been four years. And the trees won't be putting out a lot of fruit for another four years. So you're talking about like a decades long process of caring for something in order for it to be whole and healthy to, to think of domination. You obviously have no, you have no care for the earth that you, that you're, that you're walking on. You know, if you talk like that. Um, Yeah. It's ridiculous. So so what, what else for you, what would be uh, some of your main influences um, i mean you've mentioned some i know you also mentioned some native american spirituality in uh solo mysterium as well right yes uh yes i did and i like so i i picked up um black elk speaks which mm-hmm. i highly recommend to anybody interested in this kind of stuff um so black elk was a um native american he was alive you know during all of the kind of uh indian wars and fought in many of those again and um but it was an incredible mystic shaman um and before he died this guy got close to him got him to open up and basically tell his story and he wrote it down and published it um oh my gosh man there are some transcendent beautiful powerful things in the in black elk speaks not only just the way he talks about god and the universe and and uh the reality. I mean, it's very, very, very funny or interesting, I guess I should say. Um, this is what I talked about in Solo Mysterium was this overlap I find fascinating between some of, some of like different mystics, Christian, Native American, Indian, Sufi, all these different, you know, religions. And we, when, they, when those mystics talk about God and, and humanity and a relationship to the universe, there is this idea that separation is an illusion that this that this reality uh, is the illusion that the reality is our oneness with with God and with all things, and um, and Black Elk talks about this. It's in, it, beautiful. It's just beautiful and, and breathtaking. There's even more. Um, I say you got to read it. There's this one place in the. It's a pretty big part of his story, where he had a vision, and it's a crazy, crazy vision. He he goes up into heaven. He sits with the. I think there's eight grandfathers or something like that, maybe nine grandfathers. Um, these are his ancestors and they sit around and they talk to him. Each of them tells him a story. He sees all these crazy things that happen. And there's this interesting thing um, that he talks about. I guess this was normal for their, for their tribe. Anyone who sees a vision, you have to sit and tell the vision to the elders in your tribe. And he waited a long, long time before he did this. He was afraid of what would happen because it was a kind of a shocking, crazy, amazing uh, vision. And he said he was dying inside. So, so eventually I think he got sick. He almost probably really did die. But anyway, he finally does tell them the story. They listen to the, to the dream and it's an amazing vision dream. And then they do this beautiful thing where they act it out because there's something about how he says that until the dream is acted out, it won't become real. And the entire tribe, we're talking hundreds of people, they make costumes. I'm going to be this person in his dream. I'm going to be this spirit in the dream. I'm going to do this. They all, they all, you know, make their costumes, learn their parts. They write songs to go with different parts. It's this massive production, but the entire tribe is part of it. And for like an entire day, 
they, the entire tribe acts, literally acts out this vision that he has had. And at the end of it, because in, in the vision um, that he had, it ended with this massive thunderstorm that came and, and he was inside a thundercloud. And what's crazy, dude, is that at the, they do this all day. And at the end of the day, as they're wrapping it up, this massive thundercloud comes right up to the edge of their territory. And there's this lightning and thunder display at the end. It's like, holy shit. Hmm. It's like so cool. Like, it's almost as if like God is like, you know, participating in what they're doing. It's amazing. It's so incredible. Um, so I love Black Elk Speaks. And I was blown away with really in some ways how biblical it is. It's just really incredible. So yeah, I love that book. You got to check that out. All right. Check that one out. Uh, the ne the next one for me, I would say uh, one that, kind yeah, it kind of is the best blending of Christianity and Buddhism is uh, Living Buddha, Living Christ. Oh, yeah. I love that book. By Thich yeah. Han. Yes. Um, it, I liked it because I read it for the first time coming out of like really, really hardcore reading theological, uh, dense theological works, reading like John Calvin and uh, Bart <laughs> yeah. and all that shit that, I mean, I, I'm glad it exists, but it's not, it's not fun reading for me. Yeah. Like when I read Calvin and Bart and things like, and even old, I mean, even Augustine and things like that, I'm like, this is not enjoyable reading. No. Um, and just the simplicity of someone who understands life to write simply for masses of people to get them to understand the truths of the universe, I think is way more valuable than yeah. kind of the, I'm on my ivory tower here talking about God. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Reading those kinds of like the, those theological books, you know, you can learn something obviously. And it's, 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 it's mentally stimulating in some way, I guess, but it's also exhausting, right? Exhausting, Cause it's all in your yeah. head. It's all ideas in your mm -hmm. head. You're just trying to construct stuff. Um, but yeah. When you read something like, yeah, Thich Nhat Hanh and it's just, yeah, there's so much freedom and it's effortless and yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. And there's so much wisdom in it. Yeah, that's that to me is that kind of stuff is great. I love that stuff. Yeah, that's a great book. I haven't finished mm -hmm. reading it, but I, what I've read so far is like, oh, I love it. Yeah, I've read it twice, um, and I've I've re I've re referenced it a lot. So it's one of those books you go back to and read certain portions over and over. Yeah, um, I mean, it's just it's just one of those things. Like it it seems like a type of writing that came out. And that was the initial draft and that's it. But I think writing simply like that actually takes a lot, a lot of work. It's like Rob Bell. I think yeah. that's a craft in and of itself. That's way, it's like the, the writing and the reading style is way simpler probably than the art of crafting something so simple yeah. and perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a book that's, it's very enjoyable and it's, yeah, it's something you would read on a relaxing Sunday and get a lot out of it. Yeah, I yeah, I love that book. That's one, that one's really yeah. great. So I'm gonna I'm gonna my mine I'm gonna uh throw in um something like that, similar to that, is uh Khalil Gibran. And if you don't know who he is, he's uh he's a Lebanese American, so two nationalities. Um and uh he wrote several books. I haven't read I've only really honestly read The Prophet. And uh you know, and little plug, choir is um is republishing on Choir Classics a, uh, an updated version of the Prophet. It includes his drawings because he also did drawings uh, that he included in his books, and those are really cool. So uh, it's a wisdom story. But we, a, we use them in the book in a creative way. Yeah, it's yeah, really you did cool. something really cool with that. I appreciate that. And then William yeah. Paul Young, who wrote the Shack, wrote the uh, forward to that. And I can't wait to be out soon, right? A month or two, something like that. It'll be out in May. Yeah. May, okay. Coming up. Um, and here's the thing about that book. Again, you talk about simplicity. Um, I mean, it's a very simple, it's hard to even call it a story. It, there's short a story book too, at the really beginning. Short. It's kind of short. Yeah, because it's not meant to be read. I mean, you could probably read the whole thing in a day. But totally. but it's the kind of like every chapter, every little portion of the story is 
just packed with wisdom. And it really is the kind of thing, like uh, when Woody and I were reading it together, uh, again, we do the thing like before we go to bed, we'd read a chapter. And yeah, you need time to kind of let it percolate and think about it. Like, wow, that was profound. It's really good. And it's phenomenal. To I mean, it's incredible to me how one guy kind of have so much wisdom on so many topics. You know, the, the setup for the book is there's a guy who is the prophet. He's an older guy. He's up in the mountain. He looks out at sea. He sees the boat, his boat returning to take him back to his homeland. And he's lived in this village for a long time. And he's walking through the town towards the dock to get on the boat to go home. And they won't, the people suddenly realize, oh, he's leaving. And they, they're like, oh, please don't go. Before you go, please speak to us about you know, talk to us about money, talk to us about family, talk to us about marriage, talk to us about, you know, loneliness or whatever. They all, they're just, you know, asking him these different questions. So each chapter is him speaking mm -hmm. on one of these topics that they're asking him about. And I'm amazed. It's really good. It's really, really deep and beautiful and profound. So I love that book. And I just got to say too, just yesterday, I went, ran over to the used bookstore and I found a copy, uh, another Khalil Gibran book, I was looking forward to reading. I got it for $2. It's this hardback book. It's called Jesus, the Son of Man. And um, again, has these incredible drawings in it that he did, full color and black and white. Um, and this one, the one on Jesus, I haven't read it yet, but I'm going to jump into it and I expect it to be amazing. Um, it's a book about Jesus, but told through all many different voices. So every chapter is like... Is it like, many voices, one message? Um I would say it's, yeah, maybe Korshtin needs to republish this one down the road. So it's basically Jesus through the eyes of James, the son of Zebedee, Mary Magdalene, Philemon, Simon called Peter, Caiaphas. Um, I mean, every chapter is basically each of these characters telling you their experience and their you know, understanding of Jesus. So it's really cool. I mean, this guy, if you haven't read Clever. any of Khalil Gibran, I rec recommend it. He's really good. That's clever. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to do, uh, to put that book out. Um, yeah. yeah it's I a nice little piece of wisdom literature for the people. Yeah. I think it'll be great. Um, yeah. I'm super excited about it. William Paul Young basically begged me to let him do that forward. So I, I know he's excited about it. So uh, yeah, I think it's going to do well. I think. And he wrote The Shed? Something like that, write? the shack, the shed, something the, about a the, the garage, building, a, a rickety building. I don't know. Yeah. I think he, <laughs> he he sold a couple copies. It didn't do bad. It did okay. <laughs> That's yeah. a crazy story. I heard, I heard he went and like printed up like twelve copies. Basically, that was the start of it. Yeah, he wrote them for his kids. I think for like Christmas gifts or something. <laughs> like he went, he took his ass to Kinkos and like yeah, literally. Yes, he literally wrote it for his kids and his family members. <laughs> He wrote it, he he printed it himself, gave them copies, and then I guess they they kept like loaning it to friends. Oh, you gotta read this book my dad wrote, and they would That's wild. Yeah. And then people are like, Oh, I want a copy. And then yeah, it's talk about a grassroots thing, dude. It's like a it's like a fantasy for a writer to think that you could have yeah. a book that starts from something, yeah, just something. I just wrote this, you know, for a little gift. It was just some little little thing. And it's they said, you know, it's yeah. on Oprah's wish list. It sounds list like a humble brag. Be like, I just wrote it for, you know. Right. But the, but then Oprah's I, I, talking about it and then they're making a movie and. They, yeah, yeah, they made a movie. Crazy. He sold mil Didn't he sell millions, millions of copies? Millions Dude, I, of copies. I mean, his book would be on, on the bookshelves of Fundamentalists too. Yeah. I've, I've seen it. Yeah. I'm mean, like, you have the shack and you, and you read it and you liked it? Yeah. Like that guy but, was on Heretic Happy Hour. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, but the, but but he also had a lot of pushback too. There's still I, oh, I no, know I know I know people he did. That think it's a it's all heresy and you know. Of course, of course, no. But I think that's I think my point wouldn't be that no one understands that. I think my point would be that you can get away with a little more with fiction. I think than being oh, yeah. explicit theologically. Right. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah, that's what I, I love yeah. about fiction. One of these days, I'm gonna. I'm going to write I know, me too. Book. I have a great fiction idea. I'm not going to say anything yet. Oh, um, I met I met William Paul Young one time in Chico. My buddy hooked up something. He was speaking at something. And it was it was like really cool because I went there and I noticed he kept looking at me and then my buddy introduced us and he was like, "Oh, I'm, I was looking forward to meeting you." So he, no he knew who I was before he came on Heritage Capiar. And That's I was cool. like, "Oh, well, I liked your talk." That's really I didn't cool, tell man. him I didn't tell him I never read The Shack. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's I cool 
Yeah, no, it was really cool. I was like, oh, you know who I am? That's fun. I know who you are because you wrote The Shed. <laughs> I should have said that. Yeah. Um, no, he's cool. I'm glad that he's a part of uh, Choir by helping out like that. Um, it's a lovely forward for a lovely book. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, I really appreciate yeah. him doing that. Yeah, he's um, cool. I wanted to also then throw out, I don't know, do you have another one? We're kind of going ping pong here. Do you have another one? Another book? Um, you, I got a you, lot, man. Um, I got to mention Rene Girard. Oh, big time. Um, I would say his contribution to the world of anthropology, literary criticism, and theology is probably second to none. And I think that he is not not only one of the best thinkers of all time, the most underrated. I would I would oh, say yeah. that. Um, I mean, a lot of I think a lot of Girardians misapply mimetic theory and they yes. take too broad brushes and they say it's they get overly reductive about something you know that's that's why even in from the blood of abel when i'm like hey what's what's the problem for all of our violence i'm like well mimetic theory explains a lot then i have a chapter on death anxiety and what ernest becker offered and like uh you know neurosis about our own death and that contributes too so I, I never try to be too reductive some mimetic theory people are too reductive they call it like a theory of everything right yeah but I think it does go a long way, and I think it's underappreciated currently. And maybe in like 50, another fifty years, maybe it'll be more appreciated. I don't know. I, I mean, George's more of a household name than ten years ago, but still not enough. Yeah, it's a, it's. Um, well, I, I want to echo what you said because um, years ago, when I first heard uh, Gerard's name and Gerardian mimetic theory and all that it was poorly explained to me yeah. and I thought the way it was explained to me, I just thought this is absolute nonsense. It's stupid. And then it was like, again, I hadn't read any of his stuff for myself. I just heard people tell me, Oh, this is what it is. And I'm like, that's yeah. dumb. And then, um, and then I find, well, who is this guy? Oh, he was like some French literature teacher. Like what? Some professor of, of literature from France. I'm like, what, what the hell does that guy know about theology? Come on. So I just really dismissed him, and it was probably through, probably through you, um, from the blood of Abel. I'm trying to think, maybe some other people telling me, <clears throat> like I, I would ask questions or talk about things. Maybe Brad Jurzak a little bit too would say something yeah. like, "Oh, you know, have you read Rene Girard's? Um, I see Satan fall like lightning." And I'm like, "No," but I kind of don't want to because I've heard the guys a crackpot. But then, then when someone explained to me, well, no, here's what it really says. And I'm like, oh. And then when I read the book, I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. This makes suddenly makes way, way more sense. I totally agree. I think Rene Girard. You started um, in the right place, though, that because if you started with like things hidden since the foundation of the world have been like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. But, but I see that's Satan falling lightning. With, right? yeah. I see Satan is. I would. That's, that's where I would start. Yeah. It's, yeah. A good, it's a good jumping off point. What I really appreciated about that book was that not only does he present his theory, right, this sort of mimetic desire and how it's the genesis of violence and all this stuff, um, and, and that's good, but man, what I really appreciated was there's a portion of the book where he starts, after he kind of lays it out, what the theory is, then he connects it to the Ten Commandments, and then oh, you're yeah. like, oh, damn, Mm -hmm. that's okay that makes sense and then when he then when he then later ties it to christ and what how jesus you know there's this the, the verse about how jesus exposed you know the the deeds of darkness or whatever and principalities and powers that this is how he did that mm -hmm. and it all ties it back to that you're like okay yes i mean it just makes a lot of sense i really like it i mean now, now some people I've, I've let borrow that book have said it's too dense. It, it was too difficult to understand. Um, but whatever, I don't know. I didn't have a problem with it, but I, I, I guess I can see if some people have trouble following it. But I think what helped me honestly reading it was but when I when I read that book, I kind of already got it. Like I'd already mm -hmm. understood it through other means. Other people had sort of simplified it for me. Yeah. So when I was reading it, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I get it. I think if you go in cold and you don't know where it's going and you're not sure, then maybe it is difficult. But it's hands down, yeah, Rene Girard would definitely be in one of my uh, one of one of the books in my opening my, my expanded canon. 
the expanded canon. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Well, what else you got? We got maybe time for what we got time for one more. At least, yeah. I think um <clears throat> so I wanna yeah, I, I like Gerard. So like let's expand this outward, I would say. Um I'm gonna, I'm gonna list two people. And they're different on some levels, but in other ways they're not. Um I would say Anne Lamott and Brene Brown. Um Anne Lamott, again, because she writes sort of like fiction and memoirs and things like that, but with one foot in kind of a Christian worldview, but also someone who's not afraid to tell the truth in in brutal fashion about herself or about, you know, the world we live in. And I really appreciate she has a beautiful gift for that. Um, And Brene Brown, maybe in some ways for the same reason, but she's approaching things more from psychology. Um, She's done incredible work and research um, on things like shame. And I think her stuff on vulnerability is vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. Shame, vulnerability, courage. Uh, it's so good, so powerful. And, um, and she also, again, comes, comes at things from, I think she was raised in a Christian background. Um, but, but again, none of that colors or changes her research. It's just like, this is what I've discovered. This is what I found. And, uh, it's so, I, I think I appreciate Brene Brown's work. It's more on the level of things like forgiveness, vulnerability, humanity, sort of that human element to spirituality, things that Christians talk about a lot, things that, you know, the Bible touches on uh, again here and there. But I I think the way Brene Brown does it is a much more helpful and healing and powerful, you know, way. anyone who's ever like heard her speak or read her books knows what I'm talking about. Um, Mm -hmm. Seriously amazing. Like, so yeah, I would, I would definitely throw in um, uh, one of her books. At least one from her and one from Anne Lamont. Do you think anyone would put your books in any of their expanded canon? Well, maybe, but so so if so, again, I think I think what you and I are saying is like I'm encouraging people to to realize that they can do that. Like you can you can you get to decide what are the books that for you um, inspire you, help you, heal you. Uh, you know, connect the dots for you theologically. So, um, yeah, probably, I hope anyway, maybe someone would read like Jesus undefeated helps them understand how to think about universal reconciliation, eternal conscious torment, maybe unforsaken helps them rethink, you know, substitution or the end times. And if people tell me like the book on the end times totally helped them to like get over their fear of the rapture and all that kind of shit. So dude, if you're, if you're helping someone, through real stuff like that because that's a real thing like trauma over oh, yeah doctrines like that's a real thing and when you get i've gotten messages from people like yo this book changed my life yeah I'm like really really i wrote a book that changed someone. that's fucking cool isn't it great no dude i seriously do this i i get messages like that too you know and um Thank you, by the way, anyone who's ever done that for me or Matt or even any author. If you've ever read an author's book and it touched you and blessed you and helped you and set you free and changed your perspective and paradigms in, in, a, in a good way, yeah, take the time to shoot them a little, even just a, a paragraph. I'm telling you, it will it will make their day. Um, I started keeping a folder. I have a folder called Warm Fuzzies. I literally have a folder. And, um, I got a folder with the cold, the cold fuzzies. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I saved the pie. I started doing this years ago, man, even before I was an author, to be honest. Um, anytime somebody thanked me for something or said they appreciate like a blog post or something, you know, um, I just started saving those because, um, it's just good to remember like, yeah, people really do appreciate what you do. And, um, now I'll be honest, I've never gone back to read through them. I don't even know how many things are in that folder. I just drop them in there. So I know that they're there. And I know that if I needed to, I could go back through it and I could read through it. Like if I get, I always tell myself, like if I get really down, you know, I'm like really depressed or I'm feeling like, feeling like crap or something like that. I'll just Mm -hmm. go and open that folder and read through it. I haven't done that. Not that I haven't gotten depressed. I just haven't, I haven't done that when I was depressed. I think just knowing that it's there is. Knowing it's there. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's like it's like yeah. it's like my daughter with her stuffed animal. She doesn't she doesn't need it. She doesn't sleep with it anymore. But she likes right. to know it's in her room. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So th- those things mean a lot. Yeah, I got like even just uh, I guess maybe 
four or five months ago. I'm just going to call this one out because this was the most, one of the most recent ones that was really beautiful. There was a guy reading Solar Mysterium. And it was actually during a really rough time. It was when Wendy's mom was dying. And I actually was driving Wendy from El Paso to San Antonio so she could connect with her sister, Tina. And then they drove from San Antonio to Tennessee and then mm-hmm. when she was dying. So um, it was actually on my drive back. So I'm by myself. I just dropped off Wendy. I know this is going on. So it's really kind of a stressful, sad, emotional time. And I was driving back home to El Paso by myself in the car. And I stopped and this guy um, had, he actually had recorded audio. So I got to hear his voice telling me, you know, I can hear the emotion in his voice. And he said, I just finished reading Solo Mysterium. And he was just going on and on about how much it helped him and healed him and how beautiful it was. And I was like, and I'm crying like, dude, and laughing too, because it was kind of funny too. So uh, that was so beautiful and healing. And I love that. And so mm-hmm. that's another thing that's cool. I think as an author, when you have those kind of connections with your readers and you really get to see like, wow, like you said, this did something, you know, it, it had a profound impact on this person. And that's honestly why I keep writing. It's why, you know, I, I keep doing it. Those are the best ratings and reviews you get online. Like we, we say, hey, rate and review so other people can find the show. Yeah. But it's like when you give someone a positive review... And yeah. you get to read that and it's like, uh, it's really cool. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, Very it's, nice. it's, hel- it's helpful marketing wise, but it's like more just helpful to know that your work actually impacts people. Right. Like it's not just in the abstract. It's not just numbers. Right. Like it's not just sales numbers. It's like, those are, that's, you know, if everyone who bought your book enjoyed it, you know, that's X amount of people who've been touched in a positive way. Yeah. And maybe. Maybe their world becomes a little, a little happier. I hope so. Yeah, and you know when I, when you sit down to write the next book, you're I'm thinking about those people. Like, yeah, okay, I want to write something that's going to help the next person. So, um, mm-hmm. but like you were saying, you get the best um, negative. I get the best <laughs> you do. I dude. haven't got them in a while though. I think it's because I haven't had time to blog on Pathos. Yeah, I'm the same way. I feel guilty about that. I haven't blogged on Pathos in a while. That's where I got most of it because Heretic really started as. All of those chapters in Heretic, my book, were blogs at one yeah, point. And yeah. then I I like doubled them in length. So all the feedback came from Pathos. And I was like, damn. This is good, huh? Yeah, use Pathios it. Pathos has a wide marketing reach with a diverse <laughs> group of people. People that are not in my circles are reading this and they are not happy. So I don't honestly, uh, it, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really respond to comments on Pathos. I know that people do comment. I'll, I'll look sometimes if I pu- publish a post, I'll, I'll kind of glance and see like, oh, this had 32 comments. But yeah. um, I, I'll just scan it. I don't read through them and I almost never respond because uh, usually it's people arguing with each other. You're like, you stupid mm-hmm. idiot. Oh, you moron. You know, I hate your guy. Like, so like I just watch them arguing like uh, whatever, they got it. I'm not going to jump in. Um, mm-hmm. I almost never jump into them, but maybe I should read some of them a little more because I, I might have some good trolls too. I just don't really pay attention. You might. I've got some, um, some of the, re- here's some of the recent ones. Um, okay. Oh, good. Why are some of these crossed out? Did I use them? I think I crossed them out when I use them, but I didn't use these ones. Here's a good one. <laughs> Anything that starts out with you queers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let me tell you about you queers. You queers sure do hate a lot. Your kind has been pra- predicting the, the demise of Christianity for more than 2,000 years. I, I More than 2,000? More yeah, for more than, than 2,000 years. years. <laughs> yeah. 2,000. Yeah. We're still around. We'll outlast you and your kind. I just think that's factually inaccurate. I do it not is. think queer people have been predicting the demise of Christianity before it started. Before I it want- started. I want verification of that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's uh, uh fact check. I think that's not true. Uh this is a this is a uh fan from Dan, uh, Danny, Danny L. Yeah. You are the author of this toilet paper of an article. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You've been warned by the very warned by the very scripture I posted and now I'm done talking to you. Take care, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh I've got two more. Okay. Um you have just printed nine lies out of 10 statements in scripture. I got one right though. 
Uh, he didn't give me credit for that. I got one right. All you are, Matthew DeStefano, is a liar, all caps. And what is truly sad, a lot of people here will believe your lies, all caps. <laughs> lies. <laughs> Just imagine them screaming. Last one is Danny L again. I like when they come back. I, I got repeat customers. <laughs> Unlike our sponsors. My three-year-old has a deeper understanding of the gospel than you do. Well, good. Uh, your three-year-old's uh. awesome. You are a fraud. You are making money. Not a lot. By lying to people and deceiving them into a false sense of security. You're a cloud devoid of rain. Repent. Cloud. Oh, that's I love that. You're but okay, so here's the thing. Like universalists don't make a lot of money preaching universalism. We talked about it last episode. Yes, that's true. Go to a universalist megachurch. That's an oxymoron. Yeah. Who's who's yeah. got the megachurches? People preaching hell. Shut the fuck up. That's right. That's exactly You're a right. cloud devoid of rain. Those clouds are my the most beautiful the big puffy clouds on a spring yes. day yes. are the most beautiful, uh awe-inspiring clouds. The most tremendous clouds amongst all the clouds. Uh, that's that's really beautiful, man. I was looking for one. I, I was trying to find I, I know I found one. If you Can don't I check your Pathos comments, you may have some good you may have some of the same trolls as I may have some gold in there. See yeah. if there's Danny L. I'll look for, let me just look for Danny L. Yeah. And DMS, not DMX, DMS. If someone uh -huh. ever pops in as DMS, keep those ones. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I uh, I used one of them uh, when I was, when Solo Mysterium first came out um, and I spoke about Embracing Mystery. <clears throat> Excuse me. I um, I actually started off by reading a kind of a troll, uh, a troll quote like that. I can't remember. Mm. I can't find it now. But um, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, I don't, I don't hang on to them that much, but they're, they're always fun. You know, I guess what, here's what I always think find fascinating about when people do go off on you like that. Um, they, they end up telling you all these things about yourself that you, you don't know. It's like, I learned so much about myself from people who have never met me, never had a conversation with me. And they'll tell me, Keith, you are this and you are that, and you do this and you believe that and you hate this and you hate that. I'm like, wow, I, I learned so many things about myself through people who have never met me. I like, like when they tell, you know tell me my emotions. Yes. Why are you so angry? Angry? I'm not. I'll be just sitting here typing like this. Yeah. I'll just be like, why the fuck did you say that? <laughs> like, why are you so angry? Like, yeah. Angry? Right. I mean, angry. Yeah. Oh, You're the so one annoying. typing in all caps, not me. Yeah. Yeah. Quit projecting. Yeah. So I mean, I don't think I don't think everyone's going to agree with our our expanded canon. That's okay. That's yeah, okay. they don't have and to. That's, that's okay. the beauty of it. Yeah. And that's okay. You can leave a comment down below. No, you can't. can't <laughs> no, you can't. can't comment. This is our podcast. You can't comment. Well, I guess you can comment. You can leave a rating and review and yeah. let us know how fucked up we are. But I would be curious to know if people can leave comments like uh, on this specific issue. Like I know that other people have other things. You know, there's poets. Like some people love Walden. They love um, uh, like Thoreau and, you know, the, and those kind of things. So mm -hmm. like – there's lots of things out there that are, that really speak to people and really move them. Like I, I've been really getting into the gospel of Thomas and I'm loving that. Uh, I mentioned like the gospel of truth, which is from the Nagamati. If you want to leave a comment it's two four zero three four three seven three seven nine. I pulled that out my ass. How can Derek not and Jamal could not remember that. I didn't look it up just now. Two four zero three four three seven three seven nine. That's well, the hotline to the heritage. Happy it Hour still podcast. works. It still works. It still works. We just don't check it. Yeah, but it, but leave it. Leave a voicemail, and maybe somebody actually. Will... Actually, Ralph does. Ralph. Ralph I think he does check it. Though. Yeah, I think he does. Yeah, that'd be two four zero three four three seven three seven nine. Take that, Jamal and Derek. Yeah, the Apostates Anonymous is hijacking the hotline. Mm -hmm. Go hijacking leave them some the hate line. message. I might call it after this. <laughs> we should call it. Let me. Let's make. Let's see. Oh yeah, let's see. If it says this mailbox is full, this mailbox has not been set up. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? Two four zero three four three seven three seven three seven nine. I don't even have it saved on my phone. You've reached the heretic hotline. Can you hear that? Yes. Yeah, that's there. With a comment, concern, quote, or anything that might make us laugh, and see if it makes it on the podcast. Let's see. Thanks. Whose voice is that? That's Ralph. Really? Hey, you motherfuckers. <laughs> you better watch where you fucking step. The pain train is coming. We'll see. 
<laughs> sounds awful. That's beautiful. We'll see, we'll see if Ralph gets that. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> oh, man. All well, right. thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, like like it, rate it, review it, share it. Share it with a friend. What we were saying before, like, if, if you enjoyed this episode. Share it with five friends. Five friends. Or at least one. You know, there's got to be at least one person. No, no, like, no, 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 no. Go what? high. Go high. Okay, five friends. Five. Five, damn it. Find five, five freaking people and send it to them. Even just randomly send it to, send, oh, send it to like Mark Driscoll or, you know, go, go to like some of, the, some of your favorite, like, uh, no, yeah, share yeah. it to, no, fuck Mark Driscoll. Okay. An actual friend? A real Share it friend? to someone who you actually think would like this show. There you go. Okay. Good. And say, hey, I think you would like this show. And if you don't, fuck off. That's right. Don't no, say don't that. Don't say that. Don't yeah. say that. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Well, I'll see you in, I'll probably see you sooner than I need to or that I want to, but I'll see you fine listeners in two weeks. Please go check out the Bonfire Sessions, my new book. Skip the forward, jump right into it. <laughs> um, that's where it gets good. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh-huh. hey, uh, meet me in Nashville. See, go, go to, oh, go to yeah. Lincoln, register, sign Wait. up, and I'll see you there. What are the, what are the dates? Reminder, one more time. June 9th and 10th. June 9th and 10th. Mark your calendars. Pick up the tickets. The link is in the show notes. We'll see you in Nashville. Yee-haw! Yeehaw!